This is Jumpers Resource Podcast, session 647. And the quote of the day is, you play how you practice. You're listening to the Drummers Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 647. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking this out. And today I got a great conversation with Michael O'Day. And for those of you who are not familiar with him, he is a young phenom drummer who's played with a slew of great people, including Joey DeFrancesco, who we had a great conversation about. Uh, as you know, i grew up sort of listening to the the De Francesco family and and all of that. So anytime I hear that name it always piques my interest, but we get into a great conversation about musicality, about learning how to play melodically, about learning how to play music, the difference between chops and and musicality which you know I tend to bring up a lot on the podcast. Uh also studying with Billy Hart and and the things that he has learned from Billy Hart and just a great conversation about music, life, playing, all of that good stuff. So, I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with Michael O'Day. Michael, what's going on, my man? Yo, what's good, bro? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing uh, well. Thanks, awesome. for, thanks for being here. Oh, uh, thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. So, so I, I, we had some conversations, conversations off air um, about, about your upbringing, about you being first generation, generation uh, American, uh, American. You know, your, your family's from, from Nigeria. Nigeria. And, and I was, I was interested, interested how that, that affected, affected your, your childhood in terms of music that was going on in the house, house how, uh, you know, was there, was there Nigerian music going on? Was there American music? Was there a mix of, was there a mix of both? Tell me about that. Yeah, there was, um, definitely a lot of Nigerian music, um, mostly Nigerian, like praise and worship music. Um, but also a lot of just American gospel music. Um, I wasn't really allowed to listen to secular music until I got older and like could listen to music without my parents knowing, I guess, or my right. mom knowing. So um, a lot of my early years was just listening to a lot of gospel music and definitely some, um, a lot of Nigerian music too. But yeah, I think it definitely influenced um the way I hear music and the way I play for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just naturally. Yeah, definitely. Just from, yeah, uh, I think, go ahead. 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 Oh, I was just going to say just from hearing it, all those, um, it's like my first time hearing music and I'm hearing, you know, those albums. So, um, yeah, definitely help or put me on. I I, I don't think we realize how much we absorb just by just by sort of being around things and and not necessarily studying them or not necessarily uh like paying as much attention as we would be if we were really trying to learn it but just right. we just learn these things like by osmosis you know like there's so mm-hmm. many things i didn't grow up in a musical family but i grew up in a more of an entrepreneurial family and like i just i knew all this stuff about business mm. that, that i that i literally thought everyone knew wow 
And I was like, how, like when I got into college, I was like, how do you not know this? And they're like, how do you know this? And I was like, I, oh, I don't know. So, right, right. So, so I got to imagine for you, you were, you were probably playing rhythms or, you know, playing different feels and things that, that were just like, oh, I thought that's just what, you know, I thought this was how everyone played here kind of thing. Uh, you would think so. I wasn't, I always played, um, drums my whole life. I started playing when I was two, but mm -hmm. I wasn't really, I didn't really have anything special or, you know, I wasn't really a prodigy. I didn't really have anything special that was out in the ordinary. I was just kind of like just trying to play these songs I was hearing in church. So it, I didn't really connect, um, like that music I grew up hearing, um, hmm. until I really went home for the first time and heard like musicians from my mom's hometown and from my dad's hometown. And then it started kind of connecting in my head and it just started coming out naturally. But before then, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I, I don't, that didn't really, at least when I listen back to recordings from back then, I don't really hear that influence the way I was playing. Um, but I guess it was always in there and it just had to be uh, kind of brought out later on because early, sure. early on I didn't, I don't hear any of that. <laughs> My playing is very generic and, you know, just kind of basic. <laughs> but, huh. but um, I know what you mean. We definitely are sponges from, especially as children in such um, formative years where yeah. we're just so, um, open to sounds and just new experiences so i mean that's yeah. how that's how you learn language right you're exactly. just even if you're not being taught it at an early age uh you just hear people talking and you pick and you start to connect the dots in your brain it's amazing it's fascinating how like how language works but right. i believe you know i think that you could probably do that with anything if they you know if you put someone in a in a setting i think it would be hard to do but i think if you put someone in a setting uh, where everyone is all doing the same thing, whether it be playing music or speaking a different language or, or cooking or something. I don't know. I feel like there's this weird uh, thing that just sort of happens over time if you're completely immersed in the uh, in that thing. Definitely, definitely. If that makes any sense. Oh, definitely, for sure. So what? So when you were growing up, and you're and so you said that you were not allowed to listen to secular music at all. No. Right? Um, my my mom is um really my family, my dad too, um later on, but my mom is super I mean, she's spiritual but also um very like traditionally kind of religious, you know. Mm -hmm. So like grew up I only was allowed to listen to praise and worship gospel music, really. That's the only music that I was playing in the house, really, my whole childhood. Um uh, so yeah, that was like my whole life, my whole musical, the only music I knew until maybe when I was like around 10 or so, I started hearing other stuff or nine or later on, but for years, that's all I knew. <laughs> I didn't even knew, know about like pop music or hip hop or the rappers that was out or charlie parker or dizzy gillespie none of that you know yeah so, 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I can understand why we want to, you know, it's probably good to protect children from some of the music that's out there, right? It's like, whether it be language or, or it's about, you know, the sex and the drugs and the this and the that. And, and I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other side of it, like there's so, like you said, like Charlie Parker, and there's all this other, this other instrumental music or, you know, that could be jazz, it could be classical, it could be anything. Right. Uh, that, that, and, and you're not the first person I've heard. It was like, I wasn't even allowed to listen to that. Well, uh, that's the thing. Like, What's the reason behind that? I would have been allowed to listen to that. I don't, I don't uh, think that would have been a problem. I just wasn't exposed to that music. You know, my parents gotcha. didn't know about that music, hadn't right. heard it, and I didn't have any outlet to it. I didn't really start even hearing those names or like, even with like um, European classical composers, I didn't start hearing about any of those those um, composers or styles until maybe high school, later in high school. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of late. Yeah, most ten year olds aren't like, oh, let me go pop this <laughs> Charlie Charlie Parker. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah. but I feel like I mean from from the the little I know about you in terms of your your backstory and things like that like it seems like you progressed really quickly I mean when you were a senior in high school you got a music scholarship to study at Oberlin Conservatory so how what was your what was your training like from you said you've been playing you've been playing your whole life mm. uh, but do you feel like you you was it for you you excelled quickly or oh super super quickly um yeah and really really at school then right when i finished school i think were the points where i grew the most because when i started school um i couldn't really play i mean i could play the drums a little bit i've been playing my whole life so i kind of i knew how to play like grooves and stuff and i knew my rudiments because i started like marching in high school so i learned how to read in my rudiments in high school but in terms of playing the instrument i was just average or below average just nothing nothing really special you know i never practiced like my whole life i always played in church and a few times a week like sundays and wednesday night prayer meeting fridays sometimes all night prayer meetings i always played was always playing but i never practiced but was really studious about music just because I was trying to, you know, like play basketball or, you know, go to NBA or just kid stuff, right. even though music was always there. So when I got to college, that's when I really realized like, oh, <laughs> like if I want to do this, like it's very competitive and <laughs> I'm no even, I'm nowhere even near where I could be to even be considered, you know, just, I just started, it opened my eyes. I started studying with Billy Hart, who's mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest um, musicians, drummers um, of our times, um, obviously. But he, he just started opening me up to a lot of stuff, and I realized how much I didn't know and how behind I was. And yeah, that's when I really started, like, practicing eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, 12, just trying to catch up. And even then, when I like um, when I finished school, or even before I finished school, I started going to New York, like visiting, and and I was just like that really opened my eyes to how behind I still I still was like <laughs> whoa like there's a whole another level. 
So really, yeah. when I when I um, finished school, that's when I really started making some real progress towards um, starting on the path, <laughs> at least. Yeah, yeah I, that's, that's the, the beauty, beauty of playing an instrument. I mean, there's there's no endpoint. There's always someone better. There's mm-hmm. always something you can learn from something. You know, something you can learn from someone. There's always a next level. You know, you don't right. you don't arrive one day and be like, all right, I I uh, I won. Right. Yeah. You, know. you hear about great musicians like uh, Jimmy Heath that are practicing hours until they you know until. I think he just passed at 95. He's still practicing every day for hours. Or Ron Carter, yeah. he's still practicing every day. You know, it's, it's a beautiful nice. thing because we can just keep getting better and keep learning. It's not like a sport or, you know, something yeah. that requires on uh, physical youth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can just keep growing your musical repertoire and vocabulary. That, you know, I was thinking about that. I, I went on a bike ride today, coincidentally, with a bunch of drummers. Mm. And, uh, and, yeah, I'm like, I need some other friends other than them. No, they're great. They're great. All right. But like, but I was thinking even about but about um about cycling and I was like, man, this is this is such a great sport because you can do it forever. And then I was like, that's probably why I love playing drums so much. Is mm-hmm. you can do it until you're a hundred. Yeah. God God willing, but like Yeah, literally. Look no. at Roy Haynes. <laughs> yeah. He's about to be yeah. ninety six next next month, I think. Yep. Still playing. Yep. I've heard him. Yeah, no one's like, oh, you're 35, you got to retire now. Right. You know? No, it's amazing. Yeah. Lifelong There's, journey. It is a lifelong journey. Uh, you you had mentioned, you mentioned Billy Hart. Billy plays on one of my favorite records. Uh, it's the Pat Martino uh, record with him and Joey D. Oh, Francesco. I love that record. Live in Yoshi's. Yoshi's. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. like I mean that that that, that whole, whole record really like opened up my world when when that that, that came out, um, and really turned me on to Billy's playing. Honestly, wow. Um, but but what was it like? What was it like studying with him? And I, I know it's hard, and I know it's hard to like put it into words. But like, what are some of the some of the big things that you really really learned from him? Wow, studying with him was just like it felt like just. Just um, just having access to an infinite, uh, just amount of knowledge and experiences, and just like you, you could never ask Billy a question and he wouldn't have a great answer for you that could take you maybe ten or twenty different directions. It's like it's just so much knowledge and musical experience, and um. One thing that the biggest thing I took away from him was just it's not a it's I mean you have to have um uh facility on the instrument to be able to execute what you want to do and things but it just made me realize how much it wasn't about the music I mean <laughs> not the music <laughs> it wasn't about the instrument the drums just how it's all about the music and how many different um, sides to playing music there was. I had just never even thought about like the harmony, the melody, mm-hmm. um, chord changes. Like I'd never even thought about the drum set in a way like that. Like in and in, in terms of being a harmonic or a melodic instrument, because I had always just played 
really just beats. I hadn't even really improvised that much up until that point. Interesting. You know, I was just playing beats my whole life. Or not beats, but songs. Right. But I had never thought about it like, oh, yeah, like the chord changes, like the melody, like, oh, solos, like Charlie Parker, <laughs> Bud Powell. Mm-hmm. I had never viewed the music that way. And he just, just infinite amount of knowledge and just so much uh, history. He just carries so much history with him. And yeah. it was it was amazing. He just is I can't even put into words. I mean, I'm still I still study with him, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, he's the best. He's just uh, he's an amazing man. He's very generous. It when I think to your point about uh, about songs, melody, structure, all of that kind of stuff. When I when I, and and honestly, like a, a mentor of mine, Glenn Farrakhan, we went through a lot of Billy Hart stuff, like listening to his solos and stuff like that. Mm. And dude, I didn't even know that when drummers were doing solos, that they were soloing over the form. Oh, right, right. Yep. Like I just thought that was a big playing. thing for him. That's that was yeah. a big thing out the gate. Freshman year, a big thing. Know the song, keep the form. He even had um different um songs that he would like melodies on the drums that would go with different um like song structures like he would have blues melodies rhythm changes melodies that we had to be able to play on the drums and solo and keep the form he was huge on that from day one that was like one of the biggest things so that's funny that you say that because <laughs> yeah that's, that make, i mean yeah that was i always thought him. that like i always thought people just i was like how do all and how does everyone know when to come back all <laughs> right all right like, like that was the ignorance. Nah, I used to think the same thing until until I studied with him. I'm like, I never even thought about keeping the form when I saw. I'm just like, oh, open drum solo, solo. Right. But yeah, he always he taught. That's the one of the first things he taught me. Like the song is still going. Like the harmony is still moving. You have to, you have to play the changes. Yeah. Yeah. And the big, the first person that he made me study, um, who really invented that, uh. Almost, maybe. I think so. Maybe Kenny Clark, but definitely Max Roach mm-hmm. made it famous um, by keeping soloing in the, in the horn players and the rest of the band knows where you are because you're playing the harmony so clearly. Right. And that was a, that's something I'm still, I mean, it's lifelong, but I'm still always thinking about that height. How can, how can I portray the harmony of the song as clearly as possible? Yeah. Man, that's something that he would always talk about. How did how did he teach you how to do it? Was it was it learning the learning we, the melody and then singing the melody while you were playing or uh we would all have to be able to sing the melody and sing the bass notes for the harmony. So we wouldn't even play the drums. He would make us sing. <laughs> sing huh. uh the melody and sing the bass notes. And that's what I feel like really start helping me get together because if you if you know the bass notes, you know the harmony. If you know the root motion, pretty much. So that yep. that helped me. It's like okay, I I know the song now. Like I know the harmony. I know the form. But yeah, he used to make us sing, like real old school. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say if you can if you can sing the melody, you can play it. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, he the stuff that he uh 
the stuff that he's played on on all of these records like there's so many times when when you're listening to it and you're like man like he is he's playing the song like, yeah it sound like it sounds like like a horn it sounds like a a horn player or yeah. like a chordal instrument yep. that's going on that what he's playing yep no it's you it's know? crazy it's crazy masterful masterful and and so what's your advice for for people who because i think first right you have to understand that songs have form mm-hmm. right you got to start there right, right. understand that there's a b c sections all of that um and then if you're if you're starting to learn how to play the form and mm-hmm. learn how to let's i mean let's not even say soloing over the form but just playing the form right uh where do you think is a good place for people to start or where did billy have you guys start was it you were saying like singing singing and knowing and singing the bass notes is that the place to start uh yeah i think so knowing the well first i'll say the melody then once you have the melody, then the bass notes or harmonic movement, like the roots, I think that that's a good start. And um, yeah, he had us start with uh, rhythm changes, like that form. I think that's a good because it's A, A, B, A. It's a pretty common form. But I think a good um, song form to start with is the 12-bar blues and mm-hmm. then rhythm changes and everything's pretty much based out of that and yep. you have 16 bar forms and stuff but that's it's like a shortened rhythm changes almost form wise yeah. so i would yeah. say the 12 bar blues and just under melody and then be able to sing the or just know the root uh movement be able to sing mm-hmm. it and yeah i think that's a great start yeah and um uh, kind of blue is like a great. For, I mean, for, for me, I always thought it was a great record to start people on because it has has twelve bar blues, uh, has you know has a couple different forms in in those songs. Right. Pretty easy to follow. It's not co- you know like, like even the, the solos like, like you can, can still, still follow the form pretty easily. It's a little like more in your face than than stuff that's a little bit a little bit more out. That's right. a lot harder to follow along with. Definitely, kind of blue on any of those. Really, any of those like first quintet records or second quintet records with uh, Jimmy Cobb and Winnie Kelly, mm-hmm. and any of those records is super clear that that period of Miles, they started playing the slower tempos and more modal. All those, yeah, all those recordings are great to start yeah. with, just because of the clarity. You know, mm-hmm. in the bebop, in the bebop, a lot of bebop or what they call bebop recordings is kind of hard. At least for me, when I was starting to like study this music, it was kind of hard to like keep up with. <laughs> but when yeah. I listen to Miles or like that period of Miles, oh, it it definitely was easier to follow and it made made more sense at the time to yeah. me at least. So that definitely makes sense. Yeah kind of blue yeah i mean it's hard you know you you jump into some like i don't know some some like cold train or something like right out of the gate or, or right like you know something you're like whoa i have no idea what's going on here <laughs> yep something. yep uh there's definitely some more digestible stuff out there that you, <laughs> you should start with right right or easier at least uh things that are more easily understood for sure <laughs> yep yeah 
Mm-hmm. So out, outside of Billy, who are some of the who are some of the drummers that you really that that you've really honed in on and and really have studied? Hmm. Uh, early on, my first drum heroes were like obviously like Dennis Chambers, Steve Gadd, uh, Vinny Cauda. I was really into Steve Jordan. At one point, mm-hmm. I still am. I love Steve Jones. Amazing. Yeah. Master. Um, but when I got older, you know, when I mean older, I mean like uh, middle school, high school, I started getting hip to, you know, the gospel chops movement started right. happening. So I got hip to like Ronald Bruner and Thomas Pridgen and Tony Royster and all those, Eric Moore, all those cats. So. Mm-hmm. That was definitely a, a inspiration, and I did. I, but I, I kind of went backwards. I didn't really get into like the origins of the drums, like um, like Baby Dodds, Kenny Clark, Max Roach, Art Blakey, Roy Haynes, people like that. Right until Billy, <laughs> until co- college, because I, I just didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know. So when that happened, that kind of changed everything. It kind of kind of put everything in perspective so i would yeah. say um yeah early on those guys and i got into max and art blakey and roy haynes and philly joe jones and kenny clark baby dodds papa joe jones uh elvin jones Whew. Um, all the joneses yeah for real <laughs> for real <laughs> elvin tony you know all the cats uh then billy cobham and and modern day, like Ralph Peterson and Jeff Chain Wash and Marvin Smitty, it kind of just all started started connecting the timeline from there. When I <laughs> yeah. went back, it was like, oh, that's where he got. Oh, that's where kind of all started to make sense. Yeah, but it's always interesting when you're going backwards and you and you hear like if you, you like you're following someone or or you listen to a lot of their music and then you go back like 30 years and you hear someone play that then and you're like oh right oh okay that's where they got that that's like that's for me that's always like the mind blowing experience you right know, and you're like oh my god i didn't know that they got it from that yep yep actually you know, i i left a uh, few people off that list that were like really some of my childhood heroes um the great marvin McQuitty. Mm-hmm. um that was like my first well him him and calvin rogers and chris coleman i still st- I, st- I heard all of them around the same time and th- those are the first drummers i actually remember like being like oh that's the drummer on this record you know, like mm-hmm. not on some like um, drum solo type, like DVD yeah. or drum instructional D- like records. Like I remember reading, like, oh, that's okay, Marvin McQuay or Calvin Rogers, Chris Coleman, like on those Fred Hammond records or yep. the Israel records. You know, so those were actually hey. my first people I remember, like asking, like, oh, that's the drummer, like that's a that's a drummer, like names, mm-hmm. like really early on. Yeah, but and Chris, Chris and Calvin, Calvin both, both of them, them uh, I think both of them have unique stories because I know that you know Calvin, Calvin was playing 
uh, was just playing pop music and stuff and was like, I want to go back to playing gospel. And everyone was like, dude, don't do that. You're not going to make enough money. Like you're, it's like career suicide. Don't go do that. And he was like, this is what I'm going to do. And he went and he did it and, and is doing it and is killing it. Yeah. Um, and then the Chris goal. Coleman, Chris Coleman was a security or a, uh, a prison guard. And they oh, were wow. like, dude, what are you doing here? You should be playing drums. And he was like, okay. And he went off and you know, now he's Chris Coleman. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. But wow. both like, you know, like, both two guys that are like i mean i have like I, I love those guys man i hold them in in very high regard and, oh man but but just, just like, like two really just unique stories of like you should just go do the thing that you want to do, do or that you're meant to do yep you know I mean? you're so, calling we all have callings yep yeah that's real wow i didn't even know think, that yeah it's crazy yep. we in we, fact, in we, fact were we were just talking, talking about, about about chris, about chris coleman, coleman today, today. He's, he's like, like He's, I feel like he has the whole gospel thing down. I mean, obviously, but like he has this other switch in him. That's like, he just has this whole musicality, like not just so we're clear. I'm not saying that Calvin doesn't, I'm not talking about Calvin specifically about Chris. Mm. Because Calvin is like, we, everyone knows how great and amazing Calvin is. Yeah. He's the goat. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Uh, And and Chris just had like, when I like when I first started uh, paying attention to what he was doing, I was like, man, he's not just like, he's not just blowing notes around the kit. Oh, very musical. He, and and he can, like he can, you know, he can play a thousand miles an hour, but he Mm. has just like, this other thing where I'm like, oh, he's okay. This is like, it's like, it's sort of like, like he's playing all that other stuff, stuff that everyone else is doing on Instagram, except he's playing it musically and like, it just works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't explain that very well, but I think you understand what I'm saying. No, definitely. They have, I mean, apart from their drumming, just their sounds alone, like Calvin's sound mm-hmm. and Chris's sound alone. It's like, it's just really crazy. It's like the perfect, <laughs> the ideal drum sound. You know, it's like yeah, it's it's super inspiring, super inspiring. Yeah, and they're two guys that are both like, let's just pa- I'll just pass on all the information I have. Yeah, like I want everyone to. They're not holding anything close to the chest. They're like, here it is. Here, you know, it's right? All, it's all laid out right here, and, mm. and uh, yeah, that's beautiful. So did you? Did you? go down that route too so like you were learning all the gospel chops and 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 learning that stuff as well well i wouldn't say i was learning the gospel chops i was just i was always playing in church so that was kind of only music i knew how to play was gospel music for a while but in terms of chops and stuff i mean especially the first church I was at, like life community church the, the um the worship leader in durham north carolina the worship leader was really, really strict with me about even like playing too many crashes or like, you know, I wasn't even thinking about playing like chops or, you know, I was just trying to play little fills to maybe set up a section or something. You know, I wasn't. So when I, when I seen all that stuff going on, like with the gospel chops movement, that's when I was like, Oh wow, there's a whole another side to drumming that I, that was like the first time I really heard people like really improvising. Hmm. Besides, like, I guess I heard I had the Dennis Chambers DVD 
when he had like yeah. some solos on that. Like as a yeah. kid, I remember having Is that. That's the one with like uh, um, John Scrofield's on it. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that blue kit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That DVD was awesome. Oh man, I was I wore that joint out <laughs> every day. I, I was still thinking that that fill that, that he's like boom, ra-dum, ra-dum, and I'm like I could I could hear it in my head. Yeah, and I'm like I always tried to play, and I'm like this is not fitting anywhere musically at all. But I'm like I gotta try to fit this thing. In. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, me man. being a idiot nah you got it sometimes you just got to you just gotta try <laughs> yeah. to try to put in that thing you've been working on in the practice nah. <laughs> like i've been setting this let me just try to get it off right quick nah <laughs> they're like well leave that in the shed don't break it up all <laughs> right right <laughs> oh man these are my these are what i call my i'd like to get fired licks exactly exactly <laughs> this is my last gig of the yeah. tour, yeah. <laughs> lick. All right. These are my my last gig licks. All right, I'm going home tomorrow morning, lick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, like speaking of the of the chops and and like I think that now you know you don't have to be a brain surgeon to understand like what's going on with. Or to see what's going on in terms of Instagram and like everyone just wanting to play all these blazing chops and sort of like copying and pasting. Right, right. Uh, and and we were, and coincidentally, I was having this conversation this morning too because it was all drummers, so we're, obviously we're talking about drums. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of like everyone starting to sound the same. Oh man, it's, it's it's ridiculous. Like, Get ready for the new Promark. Promark is reintroducing itself with two new performance pillars. Promark, the home of their rear-weighted, performance-driven rebound and finesse lines, and Promark Classic, a celebration of the timeless feel, look, and straight-ahead performance of Promark's golden era. It doesn't matter which pillar you choose because every pair of Promark sticks is perfected with ProMatch. Only ProMatch ensures unrivaled consistency of weight and pitch from stick to stick and pair to pair. Also, Promark shows its commitment to the environment with Play, Plant, Preserve. Promark is planting trees with every pair of sticks sold. They've already planted approximately 600,000 trees back to the Tennessee soil, and they're not stopping there. When you play Promark, you're playing the only drumstick out there made from sustainably sourced and replanted wood in keeping with their vision for a net neutral future. For more information, visit Promark.com. So you've heard me talk about the Black Panther Design Lab series from Mapex. Let me tell you a little bit about the Artist series. So they have a couple different options, and one of them is the Warbird. This 12 by 5.5 snare is designed by Chris Adler, and it's an optimized version of the original Black Panther model with a unique 12-inch diameter and 100% walnut shell that delivers a dark, biting, and powerful sound. These snare drums are amazing. You can check this one out and more by going to mapexdrums.com. Years ago, you could, and I'm not being a, this curmudgeon old guy. I have a point to why I'm saying all this. But years ago, I felt like you could just put on a record and you're like, that's Roy Haynes. Yep. That's Steve Jordan. Yep. That's, that's Steve Gadd. That's, that's this person. person. And now it's like, I don't know who it is because everyone sounds the same. Their drums sound the same. They're playing yep. the same licks. That's because like, it, it's not 
Oh, wow, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Go ahead. You're, we're here to listen to you talk. No, <laughs> I was just gonna say. I feel like, I feel like it's more like as the years go on and technology progresses and social media advances, at least in the drum community and even in the music community, it's become less about actual the actual music and more about patterns and licks and books that show you different licks and patterns and. It's like the thing that made all those um, people you said like have their own sound and have such a distinct sound and voice was wasn't necessarily their drumming ability. It was their music vocabulary. At least to me, the way I hear it, it's like, mm-hmm. and I feel like now that's not Ex- explain, explain that. that a little. I, I I think, I think you're, you're spot, spot on, on with this. this. So, so like, like let, I'm, I'm gonna go, go a little, little bit deeper, deeper into that. that for sure. Um, so I mean, like, um, like actually hearing musical phrases versus like thinking in the terms of like drum patterns or drum licks or motifs that you can use, you know, like actual mm-hmm. like hearing a melody or a phrase in your head, like the actual music. I feel like now that's it's not as prevalent. And um, there's yep. definitely a, a, a ton of musicians that that have that, of course. But in this social media age or like technology age, that's something that I've noticed. It's like while listening to old recordings or watch old concerts, it's like the music was so strong. The music vocabulary of the musicians, like the music vocabulary, the the amount of music they had to draw from that was just in their head from like studying and just listening, the love for the music that just draws you to study and listen. It's like, it's, I'm not saying that's lost now, but I don't think it's as prevalent as like in the last generations. Even when yeah. you hear like older musicians, like masters, like Billy Hart or Lenny White or like all these cats, that's what to me sets them apart. Cause it's like, yeah, but it's, Everyone, I mean, it's at a point where, every, you know, almost everyone has a certain level of chops now or, you know, facility on the instrument. And, like, when you listen to Rory Haynes, I heard Rory Haynes uh, right before quarantine. And it was like, he wasn't playing any chops or fast single stroke rolls, or, but the music <laughs> was just, the music that he was playing was just, crazy because it's so informed you know Mm -hmm. those cats has so much music to draw from so much musical repertoire and vocabulary and i feel like now that's not as um valued or hold on my dog sorry that's all right my dog but um i feel like now it's not as prevalent or as valued or as um you know you know i'm you know what i mean yeah, like no no i i i totally agree it's like totally it's agree. like it's been dumbed down to like patterns and licks and like like that's one of the things i i don't like the most like when i teach private lessons or like or like after shows or when people ask about like patterns or licks because it's like i mean i always just thought of it as you learn your rudiments all right cool now 
not always, but you know, at least now it's like, all right, you know, the rudiments, cool. Like that's all. You, that those are the patterns. <laughs> like, or right. you know what I mean? Like, or your scales. Yeah. Like, those are the patterns. Then everything else after that is just your imagination, or yeah, you know. But I mean, and you, you know, know too. Like, like it's it's like. It's like People, people are literally writing out and they're like right right left yeah right left left kick right left and then they're memorizing it. it oh it's terrible and, and, and then, then playing it yeah it's it's terrible and it sounds like it too when you yeah. hear people do because it's all about just being honest with your expression you know playing from the heart you just if you're playing these patterns and licks you practice or seeing a book you're not really playing from your heart so the music isn't honest or yeah. it won't have its full effect. So the it end sterilizes of it. it. Yeah, exactly. And that's also uh, music education has been a big part in that. And specifically jazz education. Because that's how they kind of teach you in school. Like, all right, follow these devices to play this 2-5 or to, you know, you know it's all. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, you 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 run into teachers in these schools that that um, you know lead you on the path to be yourself or give you the tools so you can find your own voice. But in terms of the like um, academia side of it, like in the classes and stuff, the curriculum, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. School is is like follow these devices for this, or you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. When it's really just learn all the rules, learn all the theory, then so you can just freely express yourself. Yeah. It's almost like it's I, I want to say this, but I don't want it to come out wrong. But mm. it's almost like back in the day, facility was like facility was an I don't even want to call it an afterthought. It was like it was like, OK, you get your facility but and then and then you play music with it but yeah now it's like it was like a given almost right yeah right, right. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and now, now it's just like get your facility up and just keep working on your facility, facility. <laughs> right <laughs> exactly you know I mean? exactly exactly maybe, maybe i'm jealous because i can't play like you know because i can't play all these crazy patterns oh man that's that stuff doesn't matter that's what i like tell people all the time when they ask about licks and how do I get faster and chops and all this stuff. It's like you get all that stuff based off of at least the people that really well, yeah, you get all that stuff based out of necessity. Like you hear these phrases in your head and like, all right, I need to work this out so I can do this. For the like, mm-hmm. at least you should be. But at the same time, like i I don't think I've ever had someone call me because just because they like the way I solo, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, or they like the chops, like people call you because the way you play music or because that's what it is. You're playing with other right. people. I remember Tony Williams said that in this um, clinic he was doing, he was, he was saying how the number one of the job of the drummer is to make the people he's playing with feel good and comfortable. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't yeah. need rud- you don't really need rudiments or any of that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice to have some rudimental um, 
like literacy and some technique and all that. But really, I mean, there's many drummers that are recording on thousands or hundreds of records, many records toured all over the world that didn't have that. But the way they yeah. played the music, the way they made the drums sound, the way they made the music feel, like those are really the most important things, like getting a good sound out of the instrument, um, mm -hmm. playing with good time, uh, good tone, like uh, musical decision making, like yeah. comping. That's one thing that's really not even talked about or like is an afterthought in music today to me is like accompanying a soloist or a vocalist or, you know, just um, knowing where the drums are supposed to sit in the mix or like things like that. The balance of the instrument, the, like uh, limb EQ, limb to limb EQ mm -hmm. with it. Like stuff like that, that's the stuff that really I think is important, not like the chops. I mean, you might be lucky to get one drum solo uh, a show on on most gigs, maybe. <laughs> you know, so that right. stuff doesn't. And really... and it, like a lot of times, if you're you know if you're James Gadsden, you know, like James Gadsden's not doing any drum solos. Nope, nope, and he doesn't need you know? to. <laughs> he doesn't need to. Yeah, and and not that like. I, I love all that stuff too. Like I watch it and I'm like, that's amazing. I think it's great. And like, sure. it, it blows me away. Um, but I think the, I think the bigger point is that I see a lot of people wondering why they can't get gigs. <laughs> right. And they're like, why is everyone else not, you know, why, like, why are these people getting gigs and I'm not? And they're amazing drummers from a facility standpoint mm -hmm. and they can't, put they can't put two and two together to figure out why they're not getting gigs and it's like because you don't play music yep you gotta play I mean, the music and maybe i'm maybe i'm like again maybe i'm turning into like this old curmudgeon guy or like no nah, yeah I, I got it, it. Maybe, maybe i got, got it wrong or whatever but i'm like there's that the, it's, it's not, not a, a secret. secret no if you ask any of the if you look at all the like the most killing cats with like chops to me like they all have amazing pockets like their time is incredible you know they all played on gigs where they just played pocket for the whole gig <laughs> like mm -hmm. look at look at the like uh ronald bruner uh thomas pridgen right eric moore calvin rogers chris coleman all these cats play incredible time <laughs> like yeah it's like people just gloss over that. Like if you go see these cats at the show, they're playing the music. They're like they're making the music feel good. They're not playing a bunch of feels and they just playing the music. Yeah. So it's funny when like when people talk about these cats with chops, they don't. Re it's like they disregard that like, these cats yeah. are also the pocket cat or like the session cats too. Like <laughs> yeah. Like it's not one side to. I, yeah. I agree. dude, I'm, I'll tell you this story and I'm, I may even cut it out because I've told this story mo numerous times on the podcast, hmm. but it, I think it's such a valuable lesson. So, so maybe yeah. I'll leave it in. I was mm -hmm. in LA. I'm at this place called the piano bar. There's this cat playing and he's just like these facility, like through the roof, right? Chopping right. all over. The it sounded like he was like ripping paper. Sometimes it was so fast, you know, what I mean? <laughs> right. just killing. Uh -huh. And there's the whole there's a bunch of people uh in the place 
And then the piano player does a solo and this cat's still like, right. And I mean, the vibe in the place, everyone's just kind of like talking and everything. Mm. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to have somebody come and sit in. And it was Kahari Parker. And Mm. Kahari goes up, sits down, starts playing. The entire place starts dancing. Yeah. And he didn't play any chops. He didn't play any like, flipping sticks around wasn't doing anything right? right and he could because he's you know he god, god rest his soul you know like he could have done all that right uh and just like just killed it and the whole entire place started dancing yep and i was like that's the difference mm-hmm. like that's it like i saw it happen with my own eyes live in person and i was like i would like on, in terms of like facility, I would say that this dude was probably even better than Kahari in terms of facility. Like he this dude was like out of this world with that. But right. just like couldn't like it was like he had a Ferrari, but he didn't know how to drive it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, like that's and I think that that's and and the uh, the flip side of that too is like I think that we as drummers inherently know this. Mm-hmm. We know why Steve Guy gets hired. We know why Steve Jordan gets hired. We know why you know James Gadsden gets hired. Right. But then we go into the practice room. Like, why is there that disconnect? Why do we know all that stuff? And then we go in the practice room and like try to play these blazing chops. Because it's fun. But it's fun. Yeah, that. But. That stuff is not fun to me, but it's necessary. But the thing is, it's also fun to play the records and just play the group, just play the song. Like, mm-hmm. that's, I don't, like, I'll be honest. When I sit down to practice, most times the first thing I do is just play whatever is in my hands. Just to warm yeah. up, just start improvising. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But if you if your if your whole practice session is you just practicing you or practicing ideas and improvising and licks, that's that that can be practicing. That is practicing. But it's like you have to practice for what you're actually going to be doing on the bandstand. Like um, uh, uh, this young drummer, great young drummer, Kojo Roni. We were talking about practicing. And he was like, "Yeah, I, I just practice like I practice like as if it, if, if it was the gig." And mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to go about it. Yeah, because if you do that, then you're probably going to be hitting a few different things in your practice session. But they're all is the the ratio of what you're hitting and how long you're hitting is probably going to be more beneficial for you, you know, than just yeah. sitting down and maybe playing a beat for five minutes and just chopping for two hours. Mm-hmm. You're actually approaching it like a gig. You're probably going to be working on playing your time for the majority of the time and have some moments where you work on your technique, floss anything up, and and maybe even improvise and solo a little. But if you're really practicing like, like you are for a gig or like you're performing, the ratio of what, what's actually important to the other things will be more in line, I think. Or, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there was a much way, better way to say that, but 
<laughs> no, <laughs> that's no, what no, came no. out. <laughs> that, made, that made total sense. That yeah. made total sense. Okay. Uh, it reminds me, I, and I forget who said it, but someone on the podcast said that it's the idea of like you would if you played football, you wouldn't spend all your time in the weight room and then just walk out on the field and expect to play the game really well. Exactly. He's like, you got to play. You got to practice skills. Yeah. Too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think that that's, and I agree, like going in the practice room and like, you know, just chopping all over the place or, or, or your, you know, whatever your version of chopping is, right? Like right. double B, I don't care what it is, but just like getting all this stuff out and playing real fast and everything. Yeah. That's it's, it's fun, mm-hmm. but it's like, all right, get that out of your system. And then, or you can do that every day. I don't care. But like, if you right. want a gig, then you better play some records and, and yep. learn how to play learn how to play. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, I think, is playing with records. At least yeah. if you're trying to Super play underrated. with at least if you're trying to play with other people. <laughs> yeah, if you want to play in your basement by yourself, you can do whatever you want. All right. Or some people no are rules. like I know even some cats like they don't want to play with other people. They their things is is like solo drums or you know, solo percussion. Mm-hmm. And that's that's dope. But yep. for me, I want to play with <laughs> like my friends, like other human beings, you know. So yeah, records. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that's an inter- interesting point too to differentiate. Like, there's a difference between playing the drums and playing music. So like, if you do want to do the solo drummer thing, then then this conversation doesn't pertain to you. Right. Like, you should go and. You know, work on your chop because if you're by yourself, like you're, people aren't going to see you play music. They're going to see you play drums, and you better be able to like, you know, flip upside down while you're playing drums. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Like, but if you want to go and play, you know, wherever at the Blue Note, or you want to play at, you know, a gig with a singer songwriter or something like that, like you better learn how to play some music. Yep. Definitely. You know. Hmm. I think we've driven the point home. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sure. I think we've changed the we've changed the the drumming world. Our our job's done. All right, right. Everything on Instagram tomorrow is going to be all groove. Every video. Oh man, I remember one time uh, there was a challenge like a pocket challenge. Uh huh. Like a few years ago, Thomas Prison started, and literally for like a few months. There was like no chops on Instagram. It was crazy. It was oh. like everybody just posting grooves. It was it was that's wild. What, that's what I want to see. Like nah. I'm just. I think I'm gonna start doing that with on the the drummers resource Instagram page. Is just all like just finding people that groove and just send out like a groove of the day and be like, here, this is something that grooves. Yeah. Because I think I mean the argument is that everyone's like, well, just sitting there grooving is boring, and I I want to like I want artistic expression. And all that. You are ex- uh, well. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, if the a groove, it can't be boring if it feels good. There's no yeah. way. If you like music, <laughs> right? I, I'm never. I mean, it's probably I'm only 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 times I can recall getting tired of playing a groove is if I don't sound that good playing it. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I'm not locking up with the bases right. Or you know, if it feels good and it's it's actually serving the purpose of what it's supposed to be, there's no way it can be boring if you love music. Yep. To me. I I agree, man. I agree. 
Yeah. So tell me about uh, some stuff that you have going on now and who you're playing with and, and if you're doing some, some of your own stuff or what's going on. Yeah. Um, I've been, I've been writing a lot of music lately. Um, trying to get a few EPs recorded this year, trying to put together my band, but um, also still playing with um, the great Theo Croker, my bro, uh, trumpet player, composer, producer. It's really incredible. I'm um, playing with him. We got some tours coming up this year, hopefully. Um, yeah. And also playing with a great, a young saxophonist from Chicago, Isaiah Collier. We have a record out that came out um, last year, and we're we're releasing another one, a duo project, um, probably next month or some sometime soon. It's called Beyond. Nice. So I'm looking forward to that um, getting out, and I also play with a great alto saxophonist. My sis, uh, Sarah Hanahan, she's from Connecticut slash Massachusetts. And we, she's working on uh, releasing a live record. When we recorded, I didn't even know it was going to be a record. <laughs> but, uh, <no? laughs> nah, but it's all good. She sounds, I mean, she's incredible. This, the record sounds great. Just with her playing on it. But um, that's going to be coming out soon, too. And then I also play with a great uh, young vibraphonist, Sasha Berliner, or Berliner, excuse me. She's incredible. Um, yeah, well, we're, we have some dates coming up, and she has a record coming out sometime in the next few months with an incredible band. It's like Marcus Gilmore, uh, Bernice Travis on bass, and James Francis. And then um, Jaleel Shaw on saxophone. It's a crazy man. So I know she's right. she's had that done for a while. So I know she's going to be releasing that sometime soon. And then I also play with the sax great saxophonist Aaron Burnett. He has a bunch of different bands and projects. And yeah, I'm just I'm really just trying to hopefully get going with. Uh, releasing some of my music this year and just trying to yeah. form a band. You're busy, man. Oh, yeah. It's, I'm Man, it's a blessing. Uh, I'm thankful. So thankful to God. It's like, yeah, I'm very thankful. It's like a, just living a dream. <laughs> Still trying to figure uh -huh. it out, but... Um, <laughs> you and me both, man. Yeah. What's, what's, how, how are you writing? Are you writing on keyboard or are you writing on another instrument? Yeah, usually usually on keyboard. Sometimes I'll be at the drums and a song might come to me. Um, but usually from the keyboard, yeah, I, um, yeah, that's been a big thing for me, just spending time with the piano every day, the keyboard every day. Yeah. Um, it's huge for me, yeah. Uh, and so, so are you writing, writing um, just, just basic, basic chord structures, structures or are you writing out the whole the whole tune, tune the melody, and all that? Oh, yeah. Every, uh, everything. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, harmony, melody, uh, sometimes arrangements for different 
larger groups, more horns. I have, I have a, I've been working on, um, I have like a few books of music for this band I played with in college that was four guitars and a bass. <laughs> so I've been arranging music, like new music for that, writing new music. It's oh, different, nice. different combinations and just trying to kind of get a repertoire of different books and different bands. It's because mm-hmm. I, I like so much, so many different types of music. Um, just trying to have a project for to kind of fulfill all those <laughs> desires, <laughs> musical yeah. desires. Yeah, but it's hard. It's hard when you're a drummer, or when you're a rhythm section player to like do your or kind of play your own music because you're always, you know, playing other people's music. <laughs> Cause you don't, cause you know, you're not a horn player or a singer where it's kind of like on you to get the gig or book the tour. So it's, it's, you have to be, I I struggle with it, but you have to be more diligent and, you know, trying to do your own thing when you're a side I always say that too. It's like, we can't just, we can't just sit around and wait for the phone to ring. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's real. and, and we, we do, do it, it i mean you know as drummers uh we we do that a lot but uh mm-hmm. but you gotta either write your stuff find someone who can help you write the stuff yep. form a band with form a band with with other people so you can you can you know drive the car a little bit right something yep something yeah man it's super important i'm definitely trying to get that together this year it was it's nice. funny because when i was younger i used to do a lot of band leading booking my own tours and stuff. But when I started playing, I started playing with Joey DeFrancesco mm-hmm. in um, 2017. I think the last show I did playing my music was maybe 2018. <laughs> so <laughs> that just goes to show you, like, when you are uh, become a sideman, especially with an artist that plays a lot or, you know, Towards yeah, a lot. Consume, consume your, your calendar. calendar. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, man. So, so where's the best place for people to follow along with what you got going on? Should they uh, do it on the gram? Yeah, the gram is cool. I'm on Instagram. It's my middle name, Chiquaga, except with a five. It's five H E K W O A G A. I'm also on Facebook, um, Michael Chiquago Day. Or actually, it's called my Facebook is Chicago Music. Um, okay, I'll I'm, we'll link, link I'll link up to it in the show notes to make sure that people okay yeah that cool people find that too cool thank you bro yeah man but yeah just social you know social media <laughs> yep. yep you know how it is these days <laughs> I do I do yeah man. <laughs> Well, well, man, I appreciate you coming on, chatting with me for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to all the stuff that you have coming out this year too. So oh, make sure to keep me in the loop. Or I mean, I follow you on on Instagram too, so I'll see it on there. But uh, for sure, super thank excited you. To, to hear some of that stuff. Man, thank you, bro. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. Ooh. And uh, stay, stay safe out there if you are on the road. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, sounds good. Thank you, bro. There you have it, Mr. Michael O'Day, and you can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash 
session 647. And if you haven't already, please leave a rating, leave a review. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. It takes about two minutes. And I would appreciate it. Also, let other people know that they should be listening to this podcast as well. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. And if you have already, thank you. I, I read all of them. I can't respond to them, but uh, I read all of them. I promise you that. And I appreciate it. And if you do leave one, send it to me. I'd like to know if you've reviewed it so I can at least say thank you in person. So uh, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.